today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. What God is saying here is, I have to sift them. I have to afflict them. I have to sift them with this winnowing fan. It carries with it the idea of trials and tribulations separating the chaff from the wheat the wicked, the evil, the sin from the sinner. That's the winnowing fan. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. The Lord cannot coexist with sin, which is why He must cleanse us. Doing so can be difficult at times, and the method often varies by person and situation. In today's teaching, Pastor J.D. will dig deeper into how God addressed the evil and rebellion of the Israelites in the Old Testament and how we might learn from their mistakes. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah chapter 14 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Here you have this beautiful church building and nobody showed up. Well, where are they? Oh, they're down the street at that other church because that guy doesn't tell them what they need to hear. So what does Jeremiah do? Well, God says, hey, listen, they're not going to come to you, so... Nice chairs, by the way, but you need to go to them. So he goes to the city gate where all the people are in great numbers. And he starts proclaiming and prophesying as they're walking by and looking at him and mocking him, probably spitting on him. Jeremiah, what are you doing here? Well, you wouldn't come to my church, so I had to come to you. God told me to. I don't want to hear this. Well, tough. You, you've got to hear it because you have to be where I'm at. And so you're going to hear what I say. So they, they actually are accountable. Because you have to understand that everybody knew who Jeremiah was. Well, I didn't know there was a church like that or a prophet like that or a prophecy like that. If I'd have known, I probably would have went. No, you wouldn't have. (laughs) Nice try. No, everybody knew who Jeremiah was. He's that one prophet that's just doom and gloom. Judgment is coming. No, thank you. I hope you'll see what we're about to read now through that lens. The lens of God's love and the lens of God's just judgment. Therefore, verse 17, you shall say this word to them. Let my eyes flow with tears night and day, and let them not cease. For the virgin daughter of my people has been broken with a mighty stroke, with a very severe blow. If I go out to the field, verse 18, then behold those slain with the sword. And if I enter the city, then behold those sick from famine. Yes, both prophet and priest go about in a land they do not know. 
Now, Jeremiah has some questions, beginning in verse 19 for the Lord. Have you utterly rejected Judah? Has your soul loathed Zion? Why have you stricken us so that there is no healing for us? We looked for peace, but there was no good, and for the time of healing, and there was trouble. We acknowledge, O Lord, verse 20, our wickedness and the iniquity of our fathers, for we have sinned against you. We acknowledge that. Do not abhor us, verse 21, for your namesake. There it is again. Do not disgrace the throne of your glory. Remember, do not break your covenant with us. And whenever you read, remember, it's not like God forgot. It's more like this, God, recall those times when you were so faithful to us, so merciful to us. Remember, God, what you did in the past? Remember your faithfulness to us? Are there, verse 22, any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Oh, interesting, by the way, Baal, (laughs) he was supposed to be the god of rain. You'll forgive me for seeing the humor in this, but God's like, oh, oh, you think Baal's the god of rain? Oh, oh, Baal is the one who provides rain? (laughs) Watch me now. Here comes one drought. Well, God did the same thing with the Egyptians. You know that every single one of those plagues was a direct correction against a God that the Egyptians worshipped. They worshipped the Nile. Oh, you worship the Nile, do you? Watch this. They worshipped frogs. You like frogs, do you? There you go. They had some, one suggested over 3,000 gods that they looked to. The cow. Where do you think Aaron got the idea for the golden calf. That was totally an Egypt thing. Looks like your brother Moses isn't coming. We're kind of in the market for a God. We don't have a God anymore because he's been gone for so long. So Aaron, we need a God. And Aaron's like, well, okay. And he gets all the gold, puts it in the fire, and makes a golden calf. And... (laughs) They start worshiping. And you wouldn't believe it, but it's there in the Word. It's recorded. It happened. It's unbelievable in every sense of the Word. But after the golden calf is done, and they're all worshiping it in the most grotesque way, I won't get graphic, Aaron has the audacity to say to them, Behold, this is the God that delivered you out of Egypt. And then here comes Moses. And again, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't believe it unless it was recorded in the account, in the narrative. But when Moses queries his brother Aaron, what in the world have you done? You know what his response is? Bro, Mo? (laughs) I mean, it was like, I put the gold in the fire and then poof, out came this golden calf and they all started worshiping it. Really? Is that right? 
They worshipped cows. They worshipped all of these gods. Judah worshipped Baal, the rain god. And God's like, okay, well, I think we have a problem here. I'm going to have to show you who God really is, because apparently you're confusimicated. So that we're clear here, Baal is a false god. And this is a false worship. This is idolatry. And I think it is so apropos that Jeremiah would say what he says here in verse 22. Are there any among the idols of the nations that can cause rain? Ask Elijah. First Kings 18. I mean, they're cutting themselves, screaming. And I mean, they're, they're screaming at the top of their lungs for Baal to bring rain to fire to come down and consume the sacrifice. I mean, after all, he's the God of weather. He's the God of rain. He's the God of fire. He's the God of thunder. Where is your God? And Elijah has some fun with it. I love that account too. Maybe you need to yell a little bit louder. He might be in the bathroom. That's actually what the original language implies, that he's taking care of business. And so that's why he's not answering you. Maybe he's taking a nap. Maybe he's on vacation. That would be a problem. That would explain why he's not answering you. And then finally, after he had had enough, he said, get get out of my way. Pour some more water on this thing. And one time he says, okay, God, (laughs) you are God. I am the Lord your God that delivered you out of Egypt. So the chapter ends with Jeremiah once again interceding on behalf of the people on the basis of God's namesake. I mean, God, do this not for us, not for them. Do it for your reputation, because it was kind of like when Moses interceded for the people. God made an offer to Moses that he would start all over and get rid of them and say, okay, now Moses, I'm going to use you. I would have taken that deal right away. God made the offer because God already knew that Moses would decline. God, you can't do that because word will travel. You have a reputation and all of the surrounding people will hear that this is what you did as a God to your people. Don't do that, Lord. And God knew that Moses would say that. This is what Jeremiah is doing here. He's interceding on behalf of the people. Now, what's God's response to this intercession, this plea? Chapter 15, verse 1. Then the Lord said to me, Even if Moses and Samuel stood before me, Samuel interceded on behalf of his people. Moses interceded on behalf of the people. And the Lord is saying to Jeremiah, who's interceding on behalf of God's people, even if it were Moses and Samuel standing before me, interceding like you are now, my mind would not be favorable toward this people. Cast them out of my sight and let them go forth. And it shall be if they say to you, where should we go? Then you shall tell them, thus says the Lord, such as are for death to death, 
and such as are for the sword to the sword, and such as are for the famine to the famine, and such as are for captivity to the captivity. That's where. In other words, some are going to die either by the sword or famine, and the ones who survive are going to be taken captive into Babylon. And, verse 3, I will appoint over them four forms of destruction, says the Lord. The sword to slay, the dogs to drag, the birds of the heavens and the beasts of the earth to devour and destroy. I will, verse 4, hand them over to trouble to all kingdoms of the earth because of, interesting, Manasseh, the son of Hezekiah, king of Judah, for what he did in Jerusalem. Whoa, what did Manasseh do? Oh, he introduced unspeakable idolatry. And you know what's really sad? His dad, Hezekiah, was one of only nine good kings in all of Judah. Northern Israel, not one. Hezekiah, his father, was one of those good kings who did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And his son Manasseh, evil, he introduced idolatry. That's what he did in Jerusalem. For who will have pity on you, verse 5, O Jerusalem? Or who will bemoan you? Or who will turn aside to ask how you are doing? You have forsaken me, says the Lord. You have gone backward. Therefore I will stretch out my hand against you and destroy you. I am weary of relenting. And, verse 7, now pay particular attention to this. I will winnow them with a winnowing fan, hang on to that, in the gates of the land. I will bereave them of children. I will destroy my people since they do not return from their ways. Okay. This word fan in Latin is where we get our English word for tribulation. Now this is going to make sense in a moment. What God is saying here is, I have to sift them. I have to afflict them. I have to sift them with this winnowing fan. It carries with it the idea of trials and tribulations separating the chaff from the wheat, the wicked, the evil, the sin from the sinner. That's the winnowing fan. I have to. It's the only way. There's no other way. Because they did not return from their way. They went their own way. And it was the wrong way. And so i got to get them back. And this is the only way. It has to be by way of this tribulation, this winnowing fan. Their widows, verse 8, will be increased to me more than the sand of the seas. I will bring against them 
against the mother of the young man, a plunderer at noonday. I will cause anguish and terror to fall on them suddenly. This is hard, yeah? She languishes, verse 9, who has borne seven. She has breathed her last. Her son has gone down while it was yet day. She has been ashamed and confounded. And the remnant of them I will deliver to the sword before their enemies, says the Lord. Now, listen to Jeremiah in verse 10. Woe is me, my mother, that you have borne me, a man of strife and a man of contention to the whole earth. I have neither lent for interest nor have men lent to me for interest. Every one of them curses me. You know what Jeremiah is saying here? I wish I was never born. Man, you have to be really down, beat down, and bust up. Have you ever been there? You're in good company, by the way. I think of many others, Job, for example. It was so bad, so hard, so painful. The despair had taken over despairing even of life, the Apostle Paul, despaired of life, came to that place, the end of themselves, where they would just cry out and say to God, it would be better if I were not even born. It would have been better. My mother never gave birth to me. That's pretty bad. Have you ever been there? It's okay. I mean the adversity and the affliction and the difficulty and the pain and the suffering and the trials can be so hard and so intense. I think of what Oswald Chambers said in his commentary on Job. God never faults a man for despair. He's not going to rebuke Jeremiah for what he just said. And please, whatever you do, don't think that Jeremiah is feeling sorry for himself because he's not. What he's doing here is he's just pouring his heart out to the Lord. The Lord already knows his heart. The Lord knows of his despair. And here's Jeremiah. I just feel for him. I mean, the pain. He's basically saying, you know, I've never done anything to these people. I've never defrauded them. And yet they curse me. And I'm all alone. He's that lone voice, and it's like, Lord, I I am such a reproach. I mean, for him to say, I'm a man of contention to the whole earth, that's despair. God, it would have been better if I was never born. I actually just want to die. It's okay to tell God that. I mean, He already knows. He's all-knowing, right? The emotions are so intense, and He's just pouring out His heart. And it is raw. Now, what's 
the Lord going to do here in response? Is he going to rebuke him? Come on, Jeremiah. Toughen up. Buck up, buttercup. Well, here's the Lord's response, verse 11. The Lord said, Surely it will be well with your remnant. Surely I will cause the enemy to intercede with you in the time of adversity and in the time of affliction. Oh, thank you, Lord. I needed that. The Lord's response to Jeremiah is to comfort him, to encourage him, to strengthen him. It's going to be well with you, Jeremiah. I know you're down. I know you wish you would have never been born. I know you're in deep, deep pain that nobody can know. I know. But Jeremiah, remember what I told you? I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. I have a calling on your life. And I know it's a hard calling, it's a lonely calling on your life, and I'm not going to release or relieve you from this calling. Instead, I'm going to renew and revive you in this calling. And he does. Verse 12, can anyone break iron? The northern iron and the bronze? Your wealth and your treasures I will give as plunder without price because of all of your sins throughout your territories. And I will make you cross over with your enemies into a land which you do not know. Speaking of Babylon, for a fire is kindled in my anger which shall burn upon you. Wait a minute. What? Wait. Can we just go back to the comforting Jeremiah? What? <laughs> Whoa. What's happening here? Well, the Lord is saying, Jeremiah, I'm going to be merciful to you, but I still have to chastise and afflict Judah. There's no other way. Verse 15, oh Lord, you know. Sometimes when you're going through a very, very painful trial, there's no way you could ever explain it to someone. They have no idea. And surely you cannot fault them for that. Even if you tried, there's no way. And even if somehow you were able to explain to them what it is that you're going through, they wouldn't be able to grasp it. And I think that's by God's design. Because the Lord knows. They don't need to know. I know. You don't need to call them. Call me. Call upon me. You don't need to look to them. Look to me. You don't need to rely on them. Rely on me. I have made this so complex that there's no way. I'm the only one that you can come to. Remember me and visit me. Again, he's not forgotten. He's just saying, remember, Lord, <laughs> all those times when you pulled through, 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. If you're enjoying these teachings in the book of Jeremiah, we encourage you to continue following through this series with us and to read on your own, too. God may reveal some things to you that you'll find interesting. In Spirit and Truth is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. He also gives prophecy updates weekly that touch on the things happening right now. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Come visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. If you'd like to access any of these things on our mobile app, you can do that too. Go to the Resources tab on our website. You can download from there. That's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Jeremiah. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God's been putting on his heart. But until then, be thinking about what you heard today, what it meant for the people then, and what it means for you today in the here and now. Come learn what's coming up next here on In Spirit and Truth. Truth.